this. You showed me God and everything. You showed me how to use my pain and turn it for good. You showed me the love of God. You showed me that somebody can care even though I felt like I was worthless, unlovable, unworthy. You showed me the opposite. And you showed me that God believes the same way and that God will never leave my side. Welcome to the Watch Me Rise podcast, where our goal is to help children and families move from trauma to triumph. We will provide very real conversations about the impact of early trauma while providing undeniable hope that true healing can be found. Here are your hosts, former foster youth, Trent Taylor, along with his adoptive mom, Pam Taylor. Hey, Trent. Here we are in the middle of a pandemic, trying to find good ways to use our time. And we have been talking for a long time about doing a podcast. So I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about getting this started. I am super excited as well. Yeah, we've been talking about this for probably over a year. Close to that, yes. Yeah, and now we have no excuses but to do it because we are uh, home, Yeah. right? So we have time and we're excited to start this. So we um, had on our hearts a long time ago to get the word out that true healing can occur for anybody who's experienced trauma. So with this Watch Me Rise podcast, our goal is to tell very real stories about healing. Uh, we aren't going to plan on sugarcoating anything. Nope. We are just going to tell real stories about how people have come to dramatic levels of healing. So that's our goal. And as we started, we were trying to think who's the best person to, to kick this off. And many of you don't know Trent's story. So... Um, it feels a little strange to me as your adoptive parent interviewing you for this, but I think that this is going to be a really powerful way to start. And I think that it will let people understand why we want to do this. So we are really happy to have uh, Trent here today with us to answer some questions and kind of tell his story a little bit. So Trent, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, first off, it's a pleasure to be here and to be able to do this and to be able to share my story and help people realize that it was God that got me to where I am. Absolutely. And how old are you? What are you doing with your time and your life right now? Uh, I'm 19 years old, currently in college, pursuing a career in counseling. So in addition to attending college in order to become a counselor, um, you and I have also just started a support trauma support ministry so the whole goal for Watch Me Rise is to take those who are in trauma and then get them to triumph. And the way we do that is we're going to take the important trauma information, combine that with the true healing that can be found in God. I think that's the perfect combination. And I think also having your input as former foster youth and then... We're also going to combine my input as an adoptive parent in addition to my mm -hmm. trauma knowledge through TBRI. So a lot more of that to come. Yes. But we're really excited about where we're heading with that. So this podcast is just one of many supports and resources that we're going to offer to our families through Watch Me Rise. So we're going to start today, Trent, by just hearing a tiny little piece of your story. Honestly, many, many people don't know how difficult your path was. Um, you have 
one of the toughest cases reported by the social workers um, in their time in the foster care system. That is correct. And you have overcome that with such grace and you're my hero in that, honestly. Um, I, I don't take any credit for that. That was you. But that's why I'm, and God, obviously. Yes, definitely. But that's why I am so happy that we can share your story today. So if you will first just kind of tell us how much time you spent in the foster care system and maybe how you entered care and definitely. tell us a little bit about your family, your birth family dynamics with siblings and things. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, let's see. I spent five years in the system. And during that time, I went through five different homes and five different schools the reason I entered the foster care system was because of domestic violence, sexual abuse, and extreme neglect. So during the time I was with my biological parents, there was constant abuse between my brother and my uncle and me. You know, and as being a four-year-old, you don't understand why or what's going on. You didn't understand that it was wrong. Right. You know, and I witnessed some horrific things that have happened to my other siblings. And then it wasn't until a neighbor found us just wandering the streets looking for food because our parents were so neglectful that there was never a meal. We had to fend for ourselves. And as a four-year-old, that was very difficult. So she called CPS Basically saying, hey, there's a bunch of kids, you know, wandering the streets looking in trash cans for food. And then they got involved. And from that point on, DSS was in my life. I was taken at four. Um, The way they did it was, you know, every time after school, I would go to daycare. And they picked us up from daycare. I didn't know who it was. They made it seem like, oh, we're just here to pick you up and take you to your grandparents' house. So I'm like, oh. Fantastic. So it didn't tell you what was going on or why. No. I guess you were pretty young, so was, that was Yeah, I was only four years but old. But you're nineteen now and you're telling yeah. me that you still remember those moments when you're four years old. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that you entered care taking you from daycare to where where was your first placement? With my biological grandparents. And your siblings. You, you, I don't know that you even mentioned how many siblings oh, you yeah, have. Definitely. Yeah. Um there are I have five other siblings. And I was only fortunate enough to stay with my younger brother. I was separated from the rest. Right, and we'll kind of get through that as we go through the story. Definitely. But you did have other siblings. And mm-hmm. when you were removed, you were removed with your siblings? Yes. I was removed with my older brother and my younger brother. Okay. But not your sister? No, she was um, separated from us as soon as we were taken from our biological parents. Okay, so right off the bat, you got separated from a sibling? Yes. That had to be very confusing and very hard. Yes, definitely. And I was so, like, my mind was so all over the place. I didn't quite realize, you know, where she was. Yeah, Until, you know, as I got older, I was like, oh, wait, where is she? You know, I just, I didn't understand. Well, you were probably in survival mode, too. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So you went to your grandparents. So it was a kinship placement, the first first go-around. How long did you stay there? Do you remember? I want to say six months, maybe, maybe a little okay. bit more, maybe a little bit less. I can't quite remember the exact timeline, but it was it was a while that we were there. And do you remember why you had to leave that placement? From what I was told, our behavior got to be too much. 
But what I think is is that they found out my older brother was continuing to sexually abuse me, even mm-hmm. under their care. And I think once they found that out, they were like, we can't handle it anymore. Okay. So even though I was taken from a place where abuse was going on, I was put in yet another place where the abuse continued. Unfortunately, I've, I've heard many stories like that. Yeah, so... That placement that was supposed to be a safe place, as much as your grandparents tried to make it that way, it it was not a safe place for you. Not at all. But let me be clear, I had some of the best social workers I could have ever asked for. I would not have been able to get to where I am now if they had not done what they did. I was just too scared to tell them what was really going on, so they just didn't know. Okay. So you had to pack your bags and leave again? Yep. Right? Okay. So then your second placement was where? That one was with a regular foster placement, and that means that they were not, we were not related to them in any way, shape, or form. Right. So, and, um, yes, and I was still with my older brother and my younger brother. We were all moved together. My sister was still separated from us. Okay. And I was in this placement, let's see. Again, probably six months, possibly a year. Okay. Can't quite remember. I'm sure you can't. That was a long time ago. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was when I was like five. So you got moved in with complete and total strangers. Yes. Do you remember how that felt? That was a long time ago. But do you remember how that felt? Frightening. I'm sure. Frightening, yeah. definitely. Yeah. One of the scariest things in my life. So I get taken away from the only people I've ever known in my life. And put with complete strangers, no explanation as to why, no explanation as to where I am or how long I'm going to be here or who these people even are. I can't even imagine that. And did the abuse continue in that foster placement as well? Yes, Yes, it did. My elder brother yet again continued to abuse me. And there was a biological daughter living there as well. She was roughly... 15, 16, I say, and I was, I think, five, maybe. But what she did was she basically tormented us. It was basically just straight-up torture. And what she did was she didn't like the fact that she had to share the attention from from what I gathered. Mm -hmm. She didn't like us being there. She didn't want us to be there. So she made our lives a living nightmare. So, again, a a supposed safe place. Yes, and you continue to experience abuse. Yes. You must have been living every day in fear. I don't mean to put words in your no, mouth, definitely. but I can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, it was basically like walking on eggshells. One slight crack, yeah. and everything is going to just break yeah. loose. Yeah. You know, and I thought it was like, you know, oh, this guy's a state trooper, which means he's a cop, I'll be safe, everything's going to be great. Not even a little. Yeah. Not yeah. even a little bit. Okay, so after after that, placement number three. Yes. Um, how did that occur? Well, let's see. I think, well, what happened was their second placement, they were getting ready to move. And I, think, I believe their license was going to expire. Okay. And they didn't feel like renewing it. And they didn't want to take us with them. So what they did was they called CPS and we got moved again. This mm-hmm. time it was to another kinship placement with our biological aunt and uncle. Okay. So, and I, you're still with your both of your brothers yes. at that time? Yes, I am. And still separated from your sister? Yes. 
Okay. And so back to a kinship placement, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of bouncing around, kinship, Correct. foster placement, kinship placement again. Mm-hmm. Um, did it feel comforting to get back with at least family that was... Yeah, it yeah, definitely yeah, was. It def- somebody you knew. Yeah, it definitely yeah. helped having somebody that I at least was familiar with and actually knew. Yeah, sure. And... We won't get into too much detail, but that mm-hmm. placement also fell through, correct? Correct. Again, abuse. Mm-hmm. Abuse from my older brother. And he also perpetrated on my biological cousin. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's why we were mo- removed. So at that point, DSS became aware that you were getting continually abused by your yes. older brother. So then did they separate you for that final... Yes, foster they did. placement they did. they did okay they removed us in that fourth placement and then it was just me and my younger brother all right so after your final placement did someone start talking to you about the idea of adoption um did did they did the social workers talk to you about that the therapist anybody where did that come into play well because you had been in care yeah. now four to five years i know it's yeah been a long long time yeah so if i'm I'm trying to remember. Nobody actually said the words adoption. Okay. It was never like it was never discussed. What happened was is that we were I don't know for some reason taken to a uh, this lake. We weren't told why. They're we like we're gonna have a fun day. We're gonna go to the lake and be around a bunch of people. You know, no explanation <laughs> as to why we were even going there. But. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that very well. Definitely. Can I kind of chime in here yeah, a little for bit? Yeah, sure. So this was a match event. And for those of you who don't know what that is, at this point, uh, my husband Mac and I were licensed parents ready to adopt. And we're going to attend this event where we could meet children who are eligible for adoption. Honestly, I didn't want to go. And I kind of refused it because it was older kids and I had on my heart that I wanted younger kids mm-hmm. under the age of five, which was an ignorant uh, ignorant box to put myself in at that point. <laughs> but somehow uh, God opened the doors and we ended up there. And yes. what was so special about that day? That day, I found my forever family. I just knew it. As soon as I met you and dad, I knew those are my parents for the first time i felt something that resembled love you know i never knew what love is never knew what a family actually meant but from what i did know it felt like family instantly that sounds so cliche but we felt the same exact way yeah we just knew Mm -hmm. we knew that day and we had gone to that event with no intention yeah of even talking to older (laughs) kids or sibling groups or kids who weren't legally free or kids who had been sexually abused, all those Mm -hmm. things that we said that we were going to protect ourselves from, again, ignorantly. Mm -hmm. Um, God had other plans. Definitely. For sure, (laughs) because here we sit, right? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that day changed all of our lives Mm -hmm. dramatically. Definitely did. And then it was maybe six months later that, that you came home to us. Yeah, right? I think it was. Right. I think yeah. it was about six months, uh-huh. and it was so nerve wracking because I was on the way home from that match event. I kept chanting, "They're gonna adopt us! They're gonna adopt us! They're gonna adopt us!" <laughs> and when I got back to the foster placement, I said the same thing, and she sat me down and was like, "Don't get your hopes up because they're probably not going to." And I, you know, as being, uh, well, I was. 
You were eight. Eight, eight was, at that time. I was yeah. eight at that yeah. point, yeah. I was like, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. They're going to adopt me. I'm going to be happy. And she kind of just crushed my dreams. You knew in your heart. Yeah. I think this is a perfect time to talk about what you got that day mm-hmm. and what you held on to during Definite, that time. Definitely. So talk, tell them about that a little bit. What I was given was a dog tag with Jeremiah 2911 engraved on the front of it and a medal for being there. But it was the dog tag that I clung on to. Just praying that verse and praying to God, you know, please let this family adopt us. Please let this pain and the unknown and the fear just cease once and for all. And let me be able to just be normal. So that verse kind of solidified on a little dog tag everything yes. that you had been thinking yes. over the past five years exactly. in the system, right? And then the day you got that dog tag, I think you held on to that until the day you came home to us, right? Yes. And we still have that put yes. away safely somewhere, right? <laughs> so what does that verse mean to you now? It means that everything I went through, there was a purpose. I had a future. I had hope for the first time in my life that I never had before. You know, you wouldn't think, but I held on to my faith so strongly the entire time I was in foster care because I was always with a religious family, and that's what got me through. So that. thankfully, even though your experience in foster care was not mm-hmm. the best, you did have families yes. who continued to expose you to mm-hmm. to God and right to the healing that yes. could be found in Him. So that that's a real, real plus. Definitely. And I was amazed, as as was Dad, at your heart when you came. You had such a heart for God. You were not angry. You were not. No. You just weren't, and I couldn't understand that, Mm -hmm. um, having been through everything you had been through. And I personally, I know I'm your mom, but I personally think that's because God just had big plans to use you and your story. Let me be clear. I was extremely angry. I just never directed my anger towards God. I can't explain why, but I just didn't. And I also understand that there are a lot of people who are angry at God. And what I want them to know is that cry out to God. Tell him how you feel. He wants that relationship with you. Just pray. Cry out to him, and he will use your pain for good. Wow. Trent, I think that's really powerful to acknowledge that some people are probably angry at God for the trauma that they suffered and that they should just pour out to him. So when you walked through our door, now's when we're going to get real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you walked through our door, was everything miraculously healed and wonderful and perfect? Oh, how funny that sounds. <laughs> Not I think many in, would like to believe yeah, that. <laughs> of course, who wouldn't? Not in the slightest. Yes, I, I felt love for the first time I had hope for the first time you know I believed in my heart that this was going to be my family but here's the thing I spent five years being let down one adult after the next being abused for years upon years and never had a reason to trust anybody of course so why would you be able to trust us you didn't know us from exactly yeah and I and I didn't trust you for a while but it was that consistent love that consistent longing you like the pursuit that you did you pursued my heart and my my love and my trust day after day and just that commitment that 
you showed me and the fact that you never once let me down and you told me every single day, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, we will never love you any less and you will always be our son. That honestly makes me want to cry because you remember those words. Yes. Exactly. And those words, hearing those every day, that's what got me through it. And that's what got me to start trusting. I was like, wow, these people truly care about me. But it was a year or so or more before I fully began to trust. Yeah, it takes time, right? It takes and a lot of time. And that's that whole attachment piece, yes. which we're going to talk a lot more about in mm-hmm. future podcasts. But for those of you who don't know that term, we're going to be exploring that a lot. But attachment heals it heals the brain it heals 100%. the changes from the brain from trauma but we won't get off on that tangent right now so we struggled right oh, we struggled a lot yeah <laughs> i put you through a lot well yeah back. but you know rightfully so yes definitely right? i had to test every child who's been in foster care will test at some point it, you have to it's a it's a coping mechanism it's the it's a thing that to make sure that I'm going to be safe, my needs are going to be met, and I'm not going to be hurt. Because these kids have been in the system for years and years, uh, hurt by so many people, and you know, and who are you? Why are you any different? You know, you got to prove that you're different and you're going to stick with it no matter what happens. And that we're not going to ask you to leave and exactly. pack your bags. Exactly. I vaguely, vaguely remember a few times when you would get in trouble for something very minor. Yes. And I believe that you thought you were leaving. I did. I really did. Every Don't. time. Yeah, because every time I misbehaved or every time there was some when something went wrong, pack your bags, let's go. You know, I remember I was even moved and literally at one o'clock in the morning, I was brought to a McDonald's, had one of those vanilla ice creams with the mm. chocolate on top, and was taken to a new home. Wow. In the middle of the night, I was woken up. You know, and they approached me at school actually earlier that day. They were like, hey, we're going to come pick you up and we're going to take you mm-hmm. because you're moving. And I was just sobbing and because I didn't want to move. Again. I didn't yeah. want yeah. to be there, but I also didn't want to move. Right. It was you just know? some yeah. stability at least, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't ideal. Definitely. And it was then, it was after that home and that night that I was taken to my last placement before you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So you have come to dramatic levels of healing. Um, And I'm not just saying that because you're my son. (laughs) Um, You're now able to help others um, at only 19. And that's incredible. And I I attribute that to you literally telling God to have your life and do with it what he pleases. Yes. And that's why I keep saying you're my hero. Um, Because you, you demonstrate that every day. But I just heard you say that healing was really hard. It was very hard. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. There's a saying. It's an acronym. Fear. Face everything and rise. Or forget everything and run. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I may not be saying that exactly correctly, but, you know, I had a choice. I had a choice to fight or I had a choice to give up and not deal with it because it's too painful and too hard. But what I chose to do was I chose to fight. Yes, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life because rehashing every painful memory of abuse, every second of hurt was awful. 
but I would do it again and again and again anytime because it is the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. It has brought me closer to my family and most importantly, it brought me closer to God because it showed me that God has got you, he can help you heal, and he's got a plan for your life. And if you just hold out long enough, you will see that. You will see the purpose in your pain. You will see the beauty in the brokenness. You will see the beauty in the ashes. There's so many different ways to say it. And the one thing that I want everyone to know is that I'm not a victim and I'm not damaged goods. I love when you say that. And I love when you say that when you're speaking, especially to others who have been through trauma. You made a decision to heal. It was a choice. Definitely. And you made that decision. So if I asked you if you would um, go back and undo any of your past, would you, what would you say to that? I wouldn't change a thing. Wow, nothing. Even though those were some of the most painful experiences that you've ever been through. Not a single thing because that pain and that turmoil that I suffered through is what made me who I am today. And now you're able to use it, right? Yes. To use it to give God glory and 100%. to help others. That is powerful. So you were able to heal. God is what heals and attachment is what heals. God and family hands down top two things you need in order to heal. And I think it's just, even if you just have one person, right? Yes, just one, one person. person to attach to. Exactly. And, and we did our very best to walk that journey by mm -hmm. your side. I remember crying with you so many times and you would look at me and say, Mom, why are you crying? It didn't happen to you. Mm -hmm. Right? And I had to teach you that that was because we loved you. Yes. And when you hurt, we hurt. And I think that took time, but mm -hmm. that was such an amazing thing to see you when you finally understood that. Yes, that and was. And that's the attachment piece. And Trent, you were a fighter yeah, from definitely. right from the start. And that's, you know, you cannot heal without facing your pain. No, you cannot. You it's can't. Im it's impossible. And that's part of your message. But that's what we want to help people do. Yeah. Right? We want to walk that journey with them because there's no need for anyone to struggle alone. There just isn't. And ultimately, no. we want to send them to the healing that can be found in God. Definitely. Right? Because do you think you could have healed without that peace? No. God is the ultimate healer. Absolutely. You can look at it in the Bible and it'll say it a million different times. So here's kind of a loaded question. Do you think you're completely healed from your, from your trauma? No. Nobody can ever completely heal from something so traumatic and so horrific. It's impossible. But what you can do is you can learn to begin to cope with it. And it doesn't have that hold on you anymore. That fear no longer has that power. That pain no longer has that hold on you like it once did. You control your own path. That's powerful. Powerful but true. Because I've seen you live it out. Definitely. I have. So you're saying that, that the pain will probably always be there and will yes. come and go. Yeah. But you learn how to use it and use yes. it as part of your story, I exactly. think. Right? Yes, you learn you learn to use something that was so horrible and so painful and make it something so beautiful by showing people, hey, this is what I went through, but this is what I'm able to do because of God and my family. You know, this is what God has done in my life and I want the whole world 
to know it. Yeah. And that's our goal. Yes. And that's what we're going to do, right? Yeah. That's exactly what we're going to do. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so blessed to have you as my son, you and Mike. Dad and I, you know, people say all the time, oh, you know, oh, you did such a good thing. Uh, you changed their lives. And I will tell you over and over, the reverse is true. Every part of who we are has been changed by you and your healing journey. And you lead us to God just as much as we lead you to God. So I want to thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And thank you for allowing God to use your pain. Uh, because it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I can't wait to see where you go in the future. You're going to change so many lives. And I'm so thankful to be your mom. Thank you. The thing is, is that I really should be thanking you. I mean, you got me through this. You showed me God and everything. You showed me how to use my pain and turn it for good. You showed me the love of God. You showed me that somebody can care even though I felt like I was worthless, unlovable, unworthy. You showed me the opposite. And you showed me that God believes the same way and that God will never leave my side. So thank you. And it's been an honor to call you mom. Okay, on that note, I think we will kind of wrap this up um, while I go wipe some tears. Um, but we are looking forward to to future episodes where we can talk about trauma. We can be very real and we can help people yes. um, just by sharing our own stories, right? And leading to the things that, that worked for us. So Trent, thank you for sharing just a little piece of your story with us today. If anybody wants to um, learn more and learn more details and the whole story, they can get your autobiography um, as well as mine about our adoption journey on our website at watchmerise919.org. We are looking forward to next time. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Watch Me Rise podcast. Join former foster youth Trent Taylor and his adoptive mom, Pam Taylor, next time as they help move children and families from trauma to triumph.